You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village, downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Joining me in studio, as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Also joining us in studio, the ultimate Leafs fan in this morning, taking a break from the ultimate road trip. Mike Wilson. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, guys. Great to be here. Uh, it's 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 great to have you. But uh, I look at I look over at, t- at you two guys, and uh, m- this may be for the first time in a while. Na- uh, Mike, uh, we got Notre Dame's outvoting uh, outvoting Alabama where in studio. Fra- where is Franceschetti now? Where uh, is he? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we got we got more Fighting Irish testosterone in the studio this morning than we do have Alabama. We got we got a large um, large mountain to climb in in that. Uh, since, uh, of course, talking about the college football playoff, Notre Dame takes on Clemson this coming Saturday, and Alabama goes against Oklahoma. Should be two fantastic games. What a quarterback matchup <laughs> that is, Alabama and Oklahoma. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, so uh, get an opportunity. We'll chat a little bit about that right at the end of the show. Was, uh, once again last night, uh, uh, Mike, you've been running around uh, running around NHL cities. You were at the uh, Scotiabank Arena last night. You're attending every single Toronto Maple Leafs game this year. Uh, give us a, give us a midseason report. Uh, I, I follow you. You had uh, an article about you in the Globe and Mail the other day. Um, there's a buzz about what you're accomplishing and uh, certainly uh, surprises for you so far. Uh, the, the surprise for me so far, I, and I get asked this quite a bit, is the really I, I knew that Leaf Nation was very strong throughout the league and throughout Canada and throughout the United States, but I didn't realize how powerful and how passionate people are about this hockey club. In Minnesota, as an example, people made the six-and-a-half-hour drive from Thunder Bay, and it wasn't just 10 or 20 people. It was a couple of hundred people and did this on a regular basis. And they do this with this, this pride of this team. I know this year the team is winning, so everybody's saying they're jumping on the bandwagon, but these are traditions that people have carried on for as long as they've been able to drive or as long as they've been able to get to games. So it's this outreach of love for this hockey club that has really, really struck me. I knew it was strong, as I said at the beginning of this, but I didn't realize how powerful it was. And so that's been the one surprise when you go into these arenas uh, on a nightly basis. And, you know, it's funny. I sat in New Jersey the other night. You know, they're not a great team this year. But you're, I sit up in the upper bowls. And, but the, the one thing I also notice is that teams like that and in Carolina, the people that are at the games, even though the crowds maybe aren't selling out the arenas, they're very passionate about their team too. And they're very strong fans. And they do appreciate themselves even the Toronto Maple Leafs and what they mean to the game of hockey. So that's the thing that I've been able to pick up going around to the different arena. There's been 19 road games so far. Uh, and of course, you know, the Scotiabank Arena is buzzing every night. But I'll, I'll tell you, it's just been a, a real treat uh, touching base with people. And just driving down the street today, one of the greatest moments when I came down Bathurst today and saw the, the ice was in the, the outdoor rink uh, coming down was in Minnesota when I went there the day before they had the Jake Gardner uh, Classic and the outdoor game. And I was walking from the hotel uh, to go over and watch this. And, I, you, you know, it was fairly quiet that Friday. And I could hear the sound of skates, 
you know, going across the ice, pucks hitting the <laughs> boards, and voices of guys chirping each other, wowing and, you know, name good and bad plays. And it just reminded me of an outdoor rink. And here were these professionals at a high level. There's a few people watching this game. And it just like, it was one of these moments. I don't want to pull a Don Cherry and say I had a tear in my eye, but it was pretty close to, I just stopped from him. I said, this is good. Makes you feel Canadian. Oh, man, that was what, that was, that was probably oh. the most spectacular moment was watching that. What was the most popular uh, Leaf game, like for most people at, at a game? Well, the obvious ones are going to be the border towns, so Detroit and, Bu- Buffalo, and Buffalo. Right. So Buffalo, but Buffalo was over the top the last time they just played there when they just played there recently because during the war I always check the warm-ups so I go and take a little look around and I meet some interesting people doing that but there must have been four or five rows of maple leaf sweaters which all I could see around the whole rink but the other one that impressed me was uh, Minnesota was strong uh, Anaheim is very strong San Jose they had a really good contingent of hockey fans there Anaheim in Anaheim very strong are they uh, just curious but uh, in Anaheim are they exp- expat Canadians yes. or are they uh, local uh, Californians? Expats. So there's there's a combination of both. First off, in San Jose, there's a digital Moose Lounge Club, which is 3,000 Canadians. And they try to take in a lot of the hockey games, but the most popular one is the Toronto Maple Leafs. And they had a box that they invited me to come and speak at to the, to the people, and there was 100, and they sold it out. In Anaheim, the same thing. They made it to this bar called J.T. Smith's across the street. And... I got a whole story from how things have changed there since Deb and I went there for a playoff game years ago and yeah. the cost of how things have gone up, uh, even in places like Anaheim. But they were 100 strong there. And around the arena, the blues, there was pockets of, of Maple Leaf jerseys in, it right throughout the whole rink. And it kind of struck me like I, I expected it, but I didn't expect it to be that strong. And I met a couple of guys that were born and raised in Toronto. This is a very consistent pattern also, where parents have moved to a different state or a different mm-hmm. city throughout North America. They, the, the parents themselves may be Leaf fans, and it passes on to the child, even though they were born and raised in a different country and in a different state. And I find a lot of those guys who pick up on that and they become Leaf Okay, fans. who has the best food, Mike? <laughs> uh, the best food is, I, I haven't been really eating at a lot of the places because I'm running around, so to be honest, but I have kept track. Uh, by the way, folks, I'm going to break everybody's heart here. They think Toronto has the most expensive beer prices. Oh, I'm not surprised. No? No, they're not that far off. Mike, they're yeah. pretty competitive. Most of the league now is pretty much the same level. As a matter of fact, I think there's a little bargain for the 28-ounce draft I saw last okay. night at the, at the uh, Scotiabank. But the best food, the best selection... Well, keep it, that under your hat. We don't want MLSC raising their prices. Well, yeah, I know. It, it's, it's, but it's everywhere it's really expensive. Yeah. Uh, Carolina's got a really good setup. Like they, they, in, in, in Raleigh, what I love about some of these smaller places, they work so hard. To, to make the fan make it fan friendly experience. So the food is good. It was good there. It's fairly priced. They have STP prices, which is season ticket prices. <laughs> you get, and I'll tell you on that, you yeah. know, twenty ounce beer, two dollars off. That makes a difference. Yeah, sure. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a story what happened to me, and this was at uh, the Air Canada Center. When it was called the Air Canada Center. I had a beer, and I had tickets right behind the net, first row, and I left my beer on the the ledge. 
Body check comes in, Washington player hits it. I lose my beer. I lost my beer twice there. And that was like 30 bucks. Well, here's a story for you at Anaheim. I, I, I got to share this. Somebody yeah. show things have changed as far as sports have gone. In 2006, Deb and I went to uh, Anaheim to watch a playoff game. We were in L.A. So, went out. Yeah. so I went outside and hustled tickets. And I think I paid, 40, I paid 40 bucks for a pair of seats 15 rows behind the net. Walked in, and there was a... Uh, a Coors Light, and, and there was a display there where you got two free glasses of beer if you signed up this form, and you got a T-shirt. So Deb's not a beer drinker, so I had four drafts. I got we got two T-shirts, grabbed two hot dogs. So now we're forty-eight dollars in, or uh, that was like four dollars each. So they were they're forty-eight bucks in, and I paid five bucks to park. So that's fifty-three dollars. So I went to J.T. Smith's the other night, or when they played Anaheim in October, twenty-five dollars to park at J.T. Smith's. Uh, the tickets. I got my ticket in the states. I get those. I got a deal to do with yeah. that. But the ticket there is probably forty dollars to sit in the upper bowls. Yeah. And I walked in and I went to go line up and I saw what people were paying for beers. Four beers are fifty three dollars. <laughs> so wow. things have changed oh, a little bit have. throughout, and that's very consistent throughout the whole league. Anyways, we're talking to Mike Wilson. Yeah. Mike Wilson, the ultimate Leaf fan on the ultimate road trip. Just to give our listeners an idea, of what's uh, what's coming up. We'll be talking in a, shortly after the break. In a few minutes from now, the boomer, Bobby Bond, uh, uh, scored, uh, if not the most important Leaf goal in history. Uh, uh, certainly, it's got to be top three. Uh, of course, the, 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 the iconic Bobby Bond and the iconic goal on a broken leg that they've been talking about, and it's been part of hockey lore forever. So we're thrilled to have Bobby Bond on the show. Also uh, coming up in the middle of the hour, the uh, the, the great hockey writer, Post Media Network, Michael Trakos, uh, is going to bring us up to speed on the World Junior Tournament and uh, uh, some NHL talk as well. Uh, gentlemen, a uh, couple of minutes before we go to break. Last Sunday, Naz, we were here and we said it was the Barkoff Marner Show the, the Saturday night before. We're again here on a Sunday morning. And it was the Mitch Marner show last night. Uh, um, he was flying last uh, night. He, he's starting to look Gretzky to me. Uh, having problems <laughs> pronouncing that. Uh, there, there's, uh, he's, he certainly uh, seems to have, if it's possible to say this, but uh, number one, he's, 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 he's so exciting to watch. And seems to, you know, he's bringing it every night, it seems like nowadays. And... Uh, um, Wow, what a talent. He seems to have he, taken his game to a different level. He could win the scoring title still because I think those guys will get uh, cooled down. I, I think Marner's got a shot at winning the scoring title. You've had, uh, yeah, I, no question about that. Mike, you've had an opportunity to watch uh, Marner in every single game. Yeah. Um, he seems like he's getting better and better and better by the game. Well, he's played, in, in fairness to him, he is, he is getting better. He's getting more confident as it goes along. But his game has been very consistent since basically game one. And I do watch these guys very closely. And the thing about it that, uh, that strikes me with the Toronto Maple Leafs is the depth they have. Now, there's two things, two points I'll make on this. Number one, one of the things that Mike Babcock, I think, does extremely well, better than most coaches, is running his bench. And he senses when 
there is an opportunity for the Leafs to strike and strike hard. What he'll do is he'll come up with Matthew's line as an example. If they have a good shift, he comes right back with Tavares' line. But then what he'll do if Tavares' line is continuing to pressure, he'll come right back with Matthew's line. And he does that on a very consistent basis. And what it does is these teams, they can't cover them all. So the second point of this is what this is doing is this opening up ice for a kid like Marner. And playing with Johnny Tavares, don't underestimate because I, I laugh when I hear people say he's got these tapping goals. Well, he's got tapping goals because he's getting himself open. And he's getting himself open because these players on the other team are looking around at this, these guys coming at them. And who do you cover? So if you go after Marner, then Traveris finds a spot to get open. And then you've got a guy like Hyman on the other side who just opens the ice up because either they're banging and crashing and making these things happen. So the more ice time and the more room and space that Marner's getting, the more creative he can be. As a minute before we go to break, Morgan Riley. Still, oh, awesome, uh, awesome. He's uh, pinching at the right time. He's in the right spot all the time, and he is looking super. Well, and uh, you know, it's funny. He's only playing 21 minutes a game, and that's uh, for a number one defenseman. That's low, very, very low. But that's that's Babcock. I, Babcock doesn't. Uh, he he likes to spread his ice time around, doesn't he? No, but that's great. That, that see again. That's the other thing. You, you've got that fourth forward in Riley, and just to what I mentioned a second ago with this open ice, it's just giving him more and more room to move. Yeah, he reminds me of Brian Leach so much. Like Leach yeah, yeah, in his prime. Uh, yeah, yeah, he uh, reminds uh, me of him. Look at the goal he scored last night. Yeah, kind of like that comparison, Ness. That's a very good comparison. Uh, phys- physically, yeah, I, c- I can see, I can see the resemblance. I can, s- yeah, really, really good, really good uh, comparison. And we've got to go to break. We're going to come back with Toronto Maple Leafs legend, the Boomer, Bobby Bond. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville decreed everyone can now be Italian, at least for an hour. When you order a Pizzaville office lunch, your staff will enjoy authentic Italian pizza and more from just $7 per person. That's not much to turn William into Guillermo, Tracy into Teresa, and Stan into... Well, maybe he won't be in that day. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. 
They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740 in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM. Live video streaming, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Leafs legend, the boomer, Bobby Bond. Good morning, Mr. Bond. How are you this morning? Good morning. Uh, It's uh, always nice to hear your voices and... uh you sound like you're bright-eyed and bushy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little bit. Uh, well, I'm not sure how bright-eyed and bushy-tailed I am, because I think I'm the original bah humbug at Christmas. <laughs> uh, Bobby, it's, listen, we're, we're, we're thrilled to have you, and uh, we're going to take the opportunity. I, you know, Obviously, I saw... Your name in the paper in the Toronto Sun article uh, this week um, um, about uh, there's some significant people coming off the Stanley Cup, uh, the bands of the Stanley Cup, and we we want to talk about obviously about your career and and, and your time and and your accomplishments, but uh, just really really quickly, um, you're not too thrilled about. Uh, uh, some names that are not going to be on the cup. They're, the Stanley Cup has reached its capacity. Uh, essentially, anything before sixty-five, sixty-six, uh, the band is coming off the cup. The band will be in the Hockey Hall of Fame, but it won't be on the actual cup anymore. And we're losing some pretty significant names: uh, Maurice Richard, Gordie Howe, Bobby Hall, the legends. And this is Zoomer Radio, of course. Uh, the legends that we grew up with aren't physically on that cup anymore. How do you feel about that, Bobby? Well, I feel the passion of all those players that played. And uh, and the passion uh, and that uh, has helped make this game the great game it is, is, uh, you know, that's what's being lost. And for our young people to have that history in front of them uh, when they go down to the Hall of Fame to, to see it. So I I think it, it, it's a big decision for the everybody to make, and it, it isn't just one person's idea. I think it's, it, it tends to get lost in this uh, what we call the big picture now seems to be the, the, the rule of the thumb these days and what we're looking for. And, uh, and that's, uh, I, I totally agree with this. The big picture, how do you give young people the the courage and the excitement and the passion about excelling in their sport if the recognition doesn't stay there and the, and the great uh, names are lost. And uh, and somehow uh, I'd sooner see three of these uh, uh, Stanley Cup uh, uh, bowls and, uh, and uh, trophies uh, and for the 100 years uh, of the original hundred years, that's one cup, and then the second hundred would be another cup. Uh, the third hundred, uh, third hundred years would be another cup. So, that, uh, to me, that's just some ideas. And, uh, and but I think the, you know the recognition of the game itself and the the people that built the game all the way through is so important. And it's not just the players; it is the management that uh, was there before, too. So it's, uh, uh, we're all together, and the owners uh, uh, should be brought together, too, and uh, and the recognition of them, of what, because they supplied the seed money that started all this. So 
I think that's uh, that's what I hope uh, uh, where we see some common sense used, and uh, I think there there's lots of common sense, and there's lots of good people out there who do have some ideas and have some uh, perhaps new thoughts, and uh, and there should be a lot of thinking goes into this because it is very important to our game. Bobby, I have a 30-second clip of an important event in 64. Can you just listen in and then comment on it, please? Certainly is receiving a lot of attention from his teammates, and the way he fell so heavily seemed to indicate a collision. Langwash shifts it off the boards. Bob Bond lets it drive to the was hurt at the 13-15 mark of the third period when he hurt his right ankle, came back with a winning goal. Bob, April 23rd, 1964. Yeah, no, I got a lot of mileage from that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, It certainly brought tears to my eyes, anyways. Uh, we all have our different ideas of what it was and how, how we hear it, but to hear it like that, that, that I, I don't think I've heard that for, for a long time, except when we did it for the Smithsonian in California, <laughs> and uh, Kurt Gowdy, and uh, there was five Detroit players and five Leaf players, and, uh, and we went down there and did a, a thing for the Smithsonian, and... Uh, and, uh, you know, it was the 17th sporting highlight of all sports. And uh, it was because it was in the U.S. that uh, that it became that high. And, uh, you know, so that was pretty special. And, uh, and uh, uh, it's a, a, a player that wasn't the, probably the fanciest or the most colorful. I, I certainly wasn't that. I was the, the guy that just played the game with a passion and I cared how I played. And every game was played like it was the last game I was ever going to play, and uh, and uh, that's the way I live, try to live my life too. That uh, with that same passion, whatever I do, I do the best I can. So, but Bobby, just when uh, I mean, this is Zoomer Radio. Our, our most of our listeners actually probably remember watching that game, but uh, for our younger listeners. Uh, um, it is one of the most iconic goals in 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 hockey history. Uh, it get mentions in, in in Toronto Maple Leaf history. Um, uh, you had a broken leg, uh, if I recall correctly. Uh, Gordy Howe hit you with a shot, and it uh, and it fractured your uh, hairline fracture of your tibia. Yeah. Uh, and um, the Leafs needed to win that night, or Detroit was going to win the Stanley Cup. And it was in the old Olympia down in Detroit, and they carried you off on a stretcher. And somehow you found your way back, and you scored in overtime. Of course, the Leafs ended up winning the Cup the following two nights later at Maple Leaf Gardens, 4 nothing, uh, which was sort of anticlimactic. Right. Uh, but... How in 1964, which seems like the Stone Ages for medicine nowadays, uh, how in 1964 does somebody get carried off the ice and with a broken leg and manages to go in and score in overtime? How did how did that happen? Well, they froze it and uh, and they said I couldn't hurt it anymore, and it was the 
our own doctors that uh, had looked at it, and uh, and they, they gave me the confidence. And, uh, and uh, the the timing of it all was so impeccable because I I just came back to the bench just as Punch was sending out Kent Douglas and and Carl Brewer, and uh, I said to Kent, "You stay, I'm going." <laughs> and I jumped over the boards and. Uh, and the way I always described that goal was, uh, was uh, I called it the triple flutter blast with a follow-up blooper. So, <laughs> and it, it, it went off Gadsby sick, which I was a great needler on the ice. And uh, for years I, I called Bill Gadsby Jinxy because he never won anything. Well, uh, it went off his sick and went the opposite way on Sawchuck, and that's how it went in the net. And uh, it's like uh, I can still see that uh, stupid puck going in the net on on, on poor Sawchuck, and uh, he was on the other side of the net. So uh, it was uh, it, it certainly wasn't pretty, but it did the job. And uh, and then that that was the that was the history. But I kept it frozen for three days, and uh, Red Kelly was a. Uh, Probably in more pain than I was, and he had some torn knee ligaments, and uh, uh, and we both went to the hospital after the, the set of that final game back in Toronto, and uh, and got uh, and I just stayed frozen, <laughs> and uh, and Red uh, and Red had a lot more problems than I had, so you know I I ended up getting going into a cast for six weeks, but. Uh, uh, that's when I was doing some work for ASO Canada, and uh, I was going across the country with the Tiger in the Tank at that <laughs> time. So after that hockey season, and uh, so, uh, anyways, it, it was uh, uh, an interesting time, that's for sure. Bob, uh, just so you're aware, we have uh, Mike Wilson in studio with us this morning. Mike is, of course, the ultimate Leafs fan, and uh, he wants to uh, he wants to catch up with you. I'll give him an opportunity. Hi, Bob. How you doing? Hi, Mike. Did you tell me I got all my pictures? In there? Well, I was just I was just going to say, Bob, I, when you came and visited a couple of times, one of my treasured pieces is the actual canister with the film footage of that goal right. uh, that, that we have. And it's now, I'm proudly proud to say that uh, Deb and I have moved it off to the Museum of History in Ottawa, where it belongs, for all Canadians to share this. And hopefully one day on a permanent display, they will get to see this. Right. But one of the things I'd like to, uh, and I do still have a couple of your pictures, by the way, a couple of those uh, marble pictures are pretty cool. Actually, that's pretty funny. Why don't you tell, uh, I don't want to put you in the spot, if you could tell us the story of those pictures, how you, I think you told me how you got them, how you had to sneak them out of Harold Ballard's office. Because oh. <laughs> well, I, I, I had my, my, my mentor for my, uh, uh, most of my life was a fellow by the name of Don Giffen, who ended up lo- loaning, uh, Harold Ballard and Stafford Smythe, four and a half million to, to get him out of jail. And, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, and, uh, when he came in and ended up being the president of Maple Leaf Gardens, uh, of course, that was just about the time Harold was going to, to jail. And, uh, uh, he, he managed to get those, uh, pictures out of his, uh, suite in the Maple Leaf Gardens. So, that's how, that's how I got I got most of my uh, those things that I I do have and or did have and uh, 
And then, uh, but that was the story of the inside story. And that was also the, my first opportunity. And I, and I, I always take my hat off. And, uh, and this is something a little different, but uh, Mario Lemieux is the first hockey player that's ever really owned a hockey club. And at that time, I had the opportunity to to buy Dr. Hall's shares of, of Maple Leaf Gardens, which were 20,000 shares, and Dr. Hall wanted me to have them. And that's another part of that story, and that's when I had... Uh, I told Giffen that I would like I've arranged to buy these shares, and uh, I'd like to do it. And I went to the board. Well, Harold uh, went around the board just before he left for jail and said, "Bond wants your jobs, your job, your job." This he went around the room and scared the jumpins out of everybody. It was like Mr. Trump today, <laughs> and and, that, and and so I didn't get. Uh, Dr. Hall got cold feet and ended up selling them to Mr. Tannenbaum. So, <laughs> and Mr. Tannenbaum's still there. Bob, you're known, well known for the classic hip check, which has gone out of hockey now. Uh, describe how you did it. You, many a time you would make that classic hip check. Well, uh, my game was a premeditated game. I knew strengths and weaknesses. And that's what I've uh, dwelled on most of my life in, in the business world and, and knowing what you, you, you do and, and, uh, and, and what people do and, uh, and how they work. And, uh, and, that, that's, uh, and uh, I, I tend to draw on my strengths more than my weaknesses, but I have to know what my weaknesses are to counteract it. So it's... Uh, it really was every game was uh, uh, as I said to many young people is premeditation and uh, and it's the passion of playing every game and uh, and at the university I'm with now at UIT in Oshawa uh, I just uh, I'm Doctor Bond and uh, but in uh, my mentoring uh, and when we put our mentoring program together about four or five years ago. Uh, that's uh, is one of my favorite words is passion and uh, and you have to have passion about life and uh, what's going on so uh, it, it's it's like anything I I, I say to people and uh, and uh, sometimes it sounds a bit corny but uh, uh, you still have to love what you do and enjoy what you do and and whether it's your family business or whatever so it's uh, it, it, it's not a big, uh, big to do, but it uh, certainly does goes a long way to to help uh, get your point across. We're talking to Bobby Bond, Bobby, uh, teammate of yours uh, for for a lot of years, uh, uh, an iconic brand in Canada, Tim Horton and Tim Hortons. You're uh, involved in the whole Tim Hortons uh, 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 empire have- in early along, and if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you may have been the guy who came up with the original idea of the drive-through. Tell us all about uh, tell us all about that. Yeah, well, that was an interesting story in itself, and uh, and we found a fellow down in uh, in Florida, and uh, and he had a, a bunch of little kiosks, and they called them uh, "I Want a Donut." And uh, and he sold a single donut and a single coffee or a muffin and a coffee, 
and that's all they sold. And uh, and I went back to Ron Joyce uh, with that idea, and uh, he said, well, I don't think that's going to work. So uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I said, well, let's try one out in the Pickering area and, uh, and see what happens. So at that time, I was flying pretty high with the, uh, the Tim Hortons. Uh, I had store 205, Sally and I, my wife, I, uh, she wanted something meaningful to do, so uh, we got this first donut shop at White's Road and Number Two Highway in, in Pickering, and uh, and uh, we ended up being the top store on the chain for five years uh, till the the highway stores came in, and uh, and then they 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 went by us in volume, but uh, we still had over 2,100 people a day go through that little store. And uh, and then the double drive-through, we had a Brock Road and, uh, and 401, and it just took off like a rocket. So it, uh, it, they've never looked back. They went in into the, the drive-through restaurants. And uh, so that's how, basically, that was the, really the start of drive-throughs in Canada. So uh, it was... Uh, it was a it was a interesting sixteen years. It was the toughest job I ever had in my life. But but uh, I, they made me learn to bake. So I had a uh, <laughs> we went through eight tons of raw product a week in that stupid little store. So. Uh, Bob, it's uh, one one thing I think people probably forget in the Tim Hitton story, Tim Horton story of donuts is it started before that in Scarborough in a little plaza called Colony Plaza. Yeah. And uh, if you recall, Tim had a hamburger place on Lawrence Avenue just on the west side of Warden. Right. And there was a donut shop that went in the plaza across from that beside Benny's Barbershop. Oh. And I think you remember all of this. And I think what happened was uh, he was selling hamburgers, but in the morning the donut shop wasn't doing so. So, so Tim, one of the kids I know that worked there, he's now 70 years old, yeah. he, went, he would go across the street and get donuts, and they started selling them out of the hamburger place in the morning. Right. And oh. it became so popular, like uh, the guy across the street went out of business, they were selling donuts, and I think, believe, you were one of the partners with uh, Tim who went and bought that store, and it was called Royal Donut. Right. Well, it, 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 was a, uh, it really is a, a fascinating story, and, uh, and uh, I just think Sally and I both changed uh, his uh, uh, daughter's uh, 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 Underwear <laughs> when they were babies, so uh, you know we we were always babysitting for Timmy and us, and of course Tim and I always had jobs, so uh, that was the other thing that uh, so you know that we always had to work and we always had nice homes and uh, and that that was uh, unusual for that time period too. So we're talking to Bob Bond, Bob. Uh, just a couple of minutes left. Uh, um, we we've we had an opportunity to chat on this show with uh, over over the years with Dave Keon, with uh, Ron Ellis, with Mike Walton, with Johnny Bauer, with uh, with a few few of the guys from the '67 team. Um, that team got broken up uh, basically by Imlac and Ballard and. Um, any regrets? Did that did that team have any more Stanley Cups in it? I know it was called the the old guys or whatever, but I almost got the sense that 
perhaps it got broken up and split apart too early. You're, any regrets about what happened? Uh, I say, you know, that uh, it's like looking at, at anything. We make mistakes, and uh, and people have made mistakes, and they, we still make mistakes, and uh, and, and and there's a price for paying to make a mistake, and. Uh, uh, there was lots left in the in, in that Maple Leaf organization, uh, but uh, the breakdown started all when, uh, as you know, when you get some success, sometimes it changes people to make uh, different decisions. So it's like uh, the old story, which is probably one of the, the best examples: is people that win the, the lottery and win all that money. And by the time, uh, you know, five years or ten years is over, most of their money is gone. And it's learning to how to live with that success of, of, of having that money. Well, you know, hockey's no different. Uh, when you start to get successful and you think you're the king of the hill, well, th that's when other people start to, you know, pick away at you and uh, and. And and bring work work on your weaknesses and and, get, and finally get to them and uh, and there's all sorts of weaknesses in in that organization starting right from the top and uh, and that's where the breakdown started and uh, and uh, it's not it's it's a well known fact some of the facts and uh, and I don't care to go back and all that and because I was I was like a son to old Con. Uh, like a grandson to Consmith, and he always, you know, made fun of my, me saying players weren't any, making any money. And I drove a Cadillac, and I'd always park it in his garage, and I'd be washing <laughs> my car when he came. And he used to get upset as hell. <laughs> Anyways, uh, uh, you know, I was only 15 or 16 when I had my Cadillac going to high school. Well, uh, you know, that. Uh, so uh, when Stafford and Harold started going into the piggy bank and getting uh, taking some cash out in areas where they got caught, and Punch was doing things on the road that he shouldn't have been doing on the road and uh, in front of his players, that was another problem. So, uh, uh, you know, but that, that was, again, the, the weaknesses and the strengths and the... And, and now what we're seeing is the disciplines of a, a hockey player today. If you go into the Leaf, uh, the MasterCard Center and see their workout, and I was invited in, uh, Mr. Shanahan invited me in to, to see the dressing room and the equipment in there and the, and, and just the, the work ethic that's going on with these young hockey players. You know, there's only two guys I know that were Timmy Horton and myself that that worked that way every day, and we had a job, a full-time job, because we had big families. I, you know, we had five children in eight years, and and Tim had much the same, but was traveling a lot more, and and uh, and but always had a business and uh, and was interested in business. So, uh, you know, uh, we had to do things a little differently, but work out. 
I put anybody up against uh, Tim and myself, but uh, we could outwork any any two men. And, uh, uh, Bobby, on that note, uh, unfortunately, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, I I apologize. Uh, uh, as they say in another sports show in this town, time is our enemy. Um, unfortunately, we've got to move on, Bobby. Listen, no, and, uh, I appreciate. That. No, we appreciate it uh, even more. It's it's a pleasure talking to you this morning. It's great. Catch- up, it's great to know that you're doing well. And uh, from us at uh, at uh, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, on behalf of Mike and Naz, we wish you and your family uh, uh, a very merry Christmas and a happy, healthy New Year. Thanks so much for joining us, Bobby. And all the best, and all the best to the the great fans in Toronto. I'll tell you that it's the only place to play. And it sounds like Don Cherry. I'll tell you, I don't mean that, <laughs> but, but I do. I do mean we do. Have the most wonderful yeah, fans, and I, I, I still get three thousand pieces of mail from all over the world, and uh, it's uh, it's a lifeline, and it's a just a wonderful experience, and it's all about people, and uh, about uh, the human being that cares about what they're doing, and uh, and having some fun at the same time. Bobby, thanks so much. We hope we can uh, do this again soon. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bobby Bond, Leafs legend. Uh, uh, I've got to go to break. Right back, right back after the break with Michael Tracos. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when we received this letter. My marriage is in a rut. Can you help us spice things up? Yes. Get the gourmet special. Two medium gourmet pizzas for just $24.99. He loves Canadian bacon, so he'll order a deluxe. She can order the Italian, because she loves the hot Italian sausage. Everyone's happy. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues. Price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too. But the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. 
Good morning. Welcome back to the Nazawali Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740, downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM, live video streaming, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome back to the Nazawali Sports Hour, senior hockey writer for Post Media Network, Michael Trakos. Good morning, Michael. How are you this morning? Hey, pretty good, guys. Great talking to you right before the holidays. How are you doing today? We're doing great. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Just so you're aware, the ultimate Leafs fan on the ultimate road trip is in studio with us this morning, Mike Wilson. So, uh, oh, okay. So, uh, how are you doing, Mike? Not bad. How are you, Mike? Pleasure being in Mike's house uh, about a year ago for uh, Lance Hornby's uh, book release. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. What a, how, how, I know Mike's making the trip uh, to all uh, 41. Uh, Road games. How's that one going there? Well, Mike? and the home game. It's been going great so far, Mike. It's uh, been awesome. And uh, if you're on the road, let's hook up at some point. Uh, meeting a lot of the media guys. I see a lot of your uh, comrades in the airport and morning flights and returning back. And I've been out with the guys a couple of times, so it's been a lot of fun. But the fan base of Toronto is just, as I've been telling the guys at the beginning of the show, is just extraordinary. Awesome. No, it's, uh, it's real cool. I, I think a lot of people are envious of what you're doing and also fit. Thinking you're kind of crazy. Yes, that too. <laughs> uh, Michael, you're working on the World Juniors, from what I understand. An interesting article, and uh, as all your articles are interesting, uh, I didn't know what was uh, uh, my uh, a week or two back. I was wondering who's Canada going to have on the team. Didn't seem to be any big stars. Uh, we keep hearing about this kid in the states, the Hughes, the Hughes brothers, and Jack Hughes, and. Of course, I got an opportunity to read your article, and you brought me up to speed to uh, some of the some of the great players uh, that are actually playing in this tournament. There's a couple I want to focus on because you sure. did. Uh, the American, the guy who's getting all the headlines, seems to be uh, the, the 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 young the young gentleman that's lined up to uh, be the number one pick overall this year. I, I keep confusing him with his brother, who's already been drafted. But I think we're talking about Jack Hughes, yep. and not Quinn Hughes. Uh, but there's a Canadian kid that's not even draft eligible this year. It seems to be the number one guy touted for the year after that we should keep an eye on, Alexis Lafreniere. Size, uh, size the tournament up for us, Michael. Yeah, it is kind of a weird year um, in terms of, I don't know, if, aside from Lafreniere, and we'll see what he brings to the table because he's, like like you said, uh, a couple years away from his draft. And typically those guys, um, like even the Crosbys and the McDavids, their first year going uh, to the World Juniors, they have limited roles, and it's usually the year after where they're featured in a more prominent role. But you take away him, and a lot of people think he's going to be the talk of the tournament. Uh, he better be, because when you look at Canada's roster, I think I'm with you. Um, I think they have one guy drafted in the top five amongst their forward group, which basically tells you that this isn't a year, um, like typical years, where they're going to have that guy that pulls you out of your seat um, with high-end skill. If they're going to get it done. It's going to be a very yeoman's kind of effort here uh, across the board. Every line's going to have to chip in, and I guess we saw that to an extent last year. Um, what, what we also saw was some great goaltending, and I think it's going to fall on the shoulders of a guy and Mikey DiPietro, who has won a Memorial Cup as a real young kid out in Windsor, and now just got traded to the Ottawa 67s. I think a lot of uh, Canada's success is going to fall with how well he plays and how good he's going to be in this tournament, because. You know, I don't think they're going to have the same firepower that the U.S. has. I don't think they're going to be as complete on the back end as Sweden is. 
and the team to really watch. And this is a team that, our country that we don't usually talk about when we're talking about World Juniors or Olympics is the Czech Republic. Um, based on the scouts' opinions, based on the, the roster that they're going to be bringing to the table with guys like Philip Zadina and Martin Nekash, as well as Philip Scheitel and the, with the Rangers, this is a team that a lot of people are already pegging to be Canada's number one threat in terms of who could win a gold medal. So it will be interesting because it's not... If that happens, it will be the kind of the first time in a long time that it's not either Canada, U.S., Sweden, Russia, or Finland that wins the tournament. Michael, uh, the goaltending for the uh, Canadian team, the Leafs have uh, a problem in depth in the organization, and I guess Scott is the backup goalie for DiPietro? I'm sorry, yeah, Ian Scott is just tearing it up uh, out west with the Prince Albert uh, Raiders. Uh, he's got like just unreal numbers this year and they just signed them uh, to an entry-level contract at least that um, if it's not DPFRO it's going to be Scott and that um, and then like, like I said I think that's Canada's strength right now some guys I talk to they say that uh, Canada's goaltending compared to the rest of the countries is kind of like night and day uh, Canada's bringing to the table arguably the two best guys in the tournament um, and hopefully like either DPFRO or Scott will get it done uh, we're talking to Michael Trakos. Uh, Michael, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, the last two Saturday nights have been the Mitch Marner show. Uh, uh, you uh, you get to participate uh, in uh, uh, ranking the, the the hottest teams in hockey. Uh, we've got uh, I, I think the the ranking this week is Tampa number one, Calgary number two, Leafs number three. Um, is that the way you size up the NHL right now? Are they the three the three uh, top teams in hockey right now? Yeah, you know that that changes on literally changes on a daily basis, guys. Like, yeah, you know, the way Leafs were going uh, at this time a week ago, uh, I think I think they're coming off a couple losses and they just won uh, an easy game against. It might have been the Devils when that ranking came out. Um, and they're heading into a game against Florida, or they're just about to play Florida, or just had played Florida. So it's tough to say. Like I'll say this for the Leafs, you know, they've gone through a bit of a hiccup and really come out of this unscathed. Now they're winning games that they should win. Like when you're playing the Rangers, when you're playing the Devils or the Panthers, we're talking about teams that aren't in the playoffs. You've got to get those points. I know it's easy for us to say that, like that's easy two points in the bank, but. The good teams win those games, and the Leafs now are a good team. They're, they're winning those games. They're, they're doing what they should do against those bad teams. And you know, and to their credit, they're also winning the hard games as well. But when I look at who the powerhouse is, who's the team to beat in the entire NHL right now, well, it's clearly Tampa Bay, who still has an eight-point gap over the Leafs. And if I'm thinking, like, who else might be there in the West? Well, I think Winnipeg is still... In my opinion, just because they've gone further in the playoffs and I look at what they've got in terms of their lineup, I think Winnipeg's still ahead of them. I even think Washington's ahead of the Leafs because they're the defending champs. But after that, I think you put the Leafs, you put the Calgary Flames, you put the Nashville Predators, you put the Boston Bruins. There's a, uh, another group out there that is probably duking it out to be who the third-best team is. And, you know, when, when you're in that mix, and good things can happen. And I think it's just going to come down to if the playoffs are going to start today. Luck, who they might be facing in the first two rounds, and how good the goaltending is going to be for Anderson. 
Michael, unfortunately, we only got a few minutes left, and uh, I want to give uh, listeners the opportunity uh, to hear. To uh, you know, we're down to the short strokes in terms of Christmas. Uh, when I was a young uh, young kid growing up, as I'm sure Naz uh, was and Mike Wilson was as well, we always used to like to receive sports books. Uh, hockey books especially as a Christmas present. So there may be some mothers and fathers out there that are looking for a, a last-minute present for their hockey uh, hockey uh, son or daughter to uh, read. And you've got a great one. It's called The Next Ones. It's about uh, the great, uh, the great, great uh, influ- uh, influx of young talent into the NHL. So we'd certainly want to give you the opportunity to uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your book, and uh, I think it would be a, it'd be a great present for a young hockey fan. Yeah, thanks, and uh, I hope so too. I'm getting nothing but positive reviews uh, right now, and you know, at the time, it couldn't be perfect. But basically, I traced. How each of these guys, whether it's McDavid, Matthews, Marner, Goudreau, Scheifele, Line, there's just 10 players in all. I traced their path to the NHL, and each one is so unique in terms of Matthews being out west, uh, Marner and Goudreau overcoming kind of the adversity with uh, their size their entire life. And uh, it's a great forward by uh, Eric Lindros, who was kind enough to do it, who at one time was the next one himself. But, yeah, I think the timing can be perfect. Like, when you look at the scoring leaders, I think, uh, of the 10 guys I have in the book, and one's a goaltender, one's a defenseman, um, I think something like six are in the top 10 in scoring these days, like whether it's uh, Eichel, um, Shifley, or McDavid, or uh, Marner uh, and Goudreau. I think they're all up there in the top 10, which tells you that, you know, this is such a young man's league. And it is kind of interesting, I thought, the, um, kind of tracing just kind of how they got there. And there's some interesting stories, some great anecdotes, and like you said, I hope it finds its way under a lot of Christmas trees this summer. Or sorry, this, this holiday season. Well, just based on that, Mike, leading into it very quickly, with free agency looming and this becoming a win-now league, the NHL, because these kids are so good, this summer, from the looks of it, could be, and I don't want to put words in it, but could be probably the most disruptive for teams as far as offer sheets and so on goes, but the the abundance of talent that's going to be available July 1st if they're not already signed by their teams. What are your thoughts on, I mean, just the, the, the thoughts looming on what's coming up uh, for the NHL no, going I, I've forward? Been, I, you don't have to put words in my mouth, Mike. I've been saying this all along. <laughs> this, this is a summer of all summers. Um, you got so many kids coming up RFAs who are already the best player on their team. Uh, I think you are going to see offer sheets. I think you're going to see more holdouts like Nylander. I think this is going to be one of those ones where even the UFAs, whether it's Carlson, Mark Stone, Matt Duchesne, Bobrovsky, Panarin, I think there's going to be a lot of movement. I think this is going to look a lot like the NBA in terms of teams. Our players are going to be jockeying in terms of, okay, which who do I want to play with? Where do I want to play? Um, this is going to be one of those watershed moments, I think, in the NHL. So I'm really intrigued by what comes out of July 1st, but yeah, I'm with you. Um, this this isn't going to be more than just a couple old guys get moved on July 1st. <laughs> this is going to be Tavares on uh, steroids here. Anyways, we've been talking to Michael. Uh, Michael, uh, you've been a big supporter of our show over the course of the last year, and we'll take the opportunity, of course, to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas and a great holiday season and a happy, healthy no- New Year. And uh, thanks so much for uh, participating in uh, in our show for the last year. Appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks again, guys, and uh, happy holidays to you and your families as well. And uh, for any listeners out there, I will be out west covering the World Juniors for Post Media News, so you can find my work in there, and it uh, should be a fun tournament. I think 
it's always fun when we don't know the outcome, and I think this year is going to be more so than any other, where we really don't know who's going to be in that final. Thanks so much, Mike. Appreciate it. Uh, we've only got about 30 seconds left here, gentlemen, so uh, actually a minute left. Mike, uh, I want to give you the opportunity. Uh, you're on the ultimate, uh, you're the ultimate Leafs fan on the ultimate road trip, and uh, tell our listeners where they, can, where they can keep up to date on what you're doing. Well, we'd love, uh, appreciate if you guys could follow us. Uh, you know, Deb is, uh, you know, manages the social media side uh, extremely well. And you can reach out to us on, please follow us on Instagram on the Ultimate Leaves Fan. Our hashtag is Ultimate Fan Road Trip. Or you can, or for us older guys, you can follow me on uh, Facebook and it, everything goes to Twitter. But uh, reach out. Ask me questions. I do meet people at the second intermission at the draft deck on the third lounge of uh, of the uh, Scotiabank Arena every second intermission of every home game. Uh, send me a note and love to meet you. Alabama Notre Dame next week. We'll tell the tale if they'll meet the following <laughs> week. We'll see if they meet. Anyways, uh, gentlemen, to you and your families, uh, very Merry Christmas and a happy, healthy New Year. Same to you, Wally. Same to you, Wally. And also to all our listeners, uh, have a great holiday season. Be safe on the roads and have a fantastic new year. We'll be back next Sunday morning. Thank you.